this morning we're talking about the resurrection, or not talking about per se, but literally this is what we're here for every week. But, you know, on resurrection morning, we call, people call it Easter, we celebrate the Lord's victory. You know, it was a horrible time. He died, but then he rose again. And his resurrection is our overcoming. It is our victory. It is the way for humanity. And so actually, I didn't know what she was going to share, but I'm going to talk about how to overcome adversity. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to start a series called Growing Up Spiritually, How to Mature in God, What You Need to Do. And the Lord really dealt with me about talking about how to overcome adversity when you're facing something and you need to overcome. Are you with me? Nobody's ever faced anything before. So this won't be for everybody. No, everybody faces something at some point in your life. And, you know, like the old song, nobody knows the sorrows I feel. <laughs> you know, and sometimes individuals are feeling sorrow and, you know, they're in an adverse time. There's pressures on. And sometimes the enemy will try to isolate people. Like there's nobody going through what you've got, you're going through. He's kind of like, you know, the lions that try to attack an animal. They try to isolate Nobody has ever gone through what you're going through. Nobody has ever won what you're facing. Nobody has ever recovered from what's happening to you. Nobody's ever heard those words? Some of you guys are like, we don't even know. Is that a Martian mask he's wearing or what? You know, no, people face adversity. And here's a thought. We need to know that God has victory in any adverse situation. One thing I'm not going to do is just give one plan for victory. I feel like that is not the way to do it because there are principles to overcoming adversity. But I would say there's probably an underlying thing that you build all winning in life on. And we're going to talk about that today because it doesn't matter. Like for me, when I didn't know the Lord, I didn't need to know 10 principles how to get an answer to prayer. I would have gone one, two, uh, you know, trying to do all. I needed my own thing. And sometimes when you're facing something, you need your own thing. Are you with me? If you will just read your Bible today when you get home from Genesis to the end, then you're an awesome speed reader. But one thing you'll find out, God had plans of victory to overcome adversity for various people in the Bible, but the plan was different from one to another. Are you with me? Just, just varied, different ways. I mean, even Noah or Jonah, you know, there were different plans for overcoming. Jonah had just really stopped walking with the Lord and got himself in a belly of a whale, and his way out, he only had two options. <laughs> Just saying. It's out the mouth. Well, three options. If it what was a fish, not a whale. So there was no spout. It was the other way out. Yeah. You with me? That means he was done. Some of you are just not sure what I'm talking about. You know when you change a baby's diaper? Well, anyway, he, he, that was the end. 
of his program. And so he didn't need to build an ark. Some of you are looking at me like, really? No, he didn't need to build an ark. He needed to get out of the belly of the whale. And so the plan for him was different than other people. Are you with me? When the children of Israel, God had a plan to overcome, and he told them, you circle the wall seven times on the seventh day, on the seventh time, this is what I want you to do. And when you do this, you're going to have victory. You're going to overcome. And so if you will, turn with me to Psalm 61, how to overcome adversity. Now, this is for every Christian, every believer, everybody who knows the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord, really this could work for you too, in a way. Because the principles, they're similar type of things. Psalm 61, uh, back in the Old Testament, almost in the middle of the Bible, biggest book in the Bible, so you can just scan through or look on your phone, uh, Somebody said, I have this psalm thing. Yeah, that's the book of Psalms or Psalm. So Psalm 61, and we'll begin reading in verse 2. And a lot of these, you know, I mean, not trying to make it sound bad. Some of these, you know, how people used to rap, you know, was their life story. But these are almost inspired rapping, so to speak. They would say, I was in a pit and the Lord did this. You know, I called on his name. And you read these type of things, but they're inspired by God. And David here is a musician. And he says this, from the end of the earth, verse two, I cry, I will cry to you. Well, he was rhyming. Then he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, Anybody ever been there? My heart was overwhelmed. I, man, there is a load on my life. And, you know, I'm somewhere in the earth and I am calling out to you. And this is what he said. Lead me to the rock. This is the refuge, the place of protection. Lead me to the rock that is higher or greater than me. Talking about the Lord and his protection, his ability to help him overcome. He said, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Now, we don't use those terms, a tower today, but really it would be like a fortress. People would build a tower or a city would build some tower. When they were attacked by an enemy, the people would run to this place and lock themselves in this tower. And so when it talks about you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower, that meant he would run to him. He would run to this place. And when we talk about overcoming adversity, the first thing people need to do is where are you running? Where are you running in life? I know sometimes people are just so stressed out you know, they get home from work, they're going through trouble, they don't want to hear anything, they're, they just run to the TV, to the strong tower. No, but they do. You know, you would think that they thought that the scripture said, instead of the Holy Spirit is your comforter, they thought it said the TV is your comforter. Amen. 
somebody turn to somebody and go, I think he's talking to that person over there. But sometimes people run to different things and, and they try to find help or they run away from the right thing. Are you with me? The disciples, when they faced adversity in Acts, the fourth chapter, it's a fledgling church. They're just getting going. God has a plan for them. He's already told them, I've got a design for you to win. And they get slapped in the face. I mean, literally. They got hit hard. They've been thrown in prison. They're threatened with their lives. You're going to go to jail for this. They need to overcome adversity. You know what they did? It said they ran to their own, or they went, but they ran there to their own companions. They knew where the people were that were serving God. We should all have our own companions. Meaning this, a church where we plug in. When things get hard, don't run. And, and if you feel condemned, you need to realize God is not condemning you. One of the cool things about Easter and the bunny, no, it's not about him, but one thing about the resurrection is it is a, you know, been talked about thousands of years ago. There's a picture in the Bible, and most people know about the children of Israel who came out, you know, God brought them out, they killed a lamb put the blood over the doorpost, and God delivered them. That is a picture of when Christ died and rose again. As a matter of fact, they call it the Passover. The meal right then that they took. Why do I tell that story? Because of the resurrection. What made it so powerful when the children of Israel came out is they put blood over the doorposts. Anybody remember that? Ten Commandments movie. You know, they put blood over the doorpost. Everybody went into the house, applied blood from the lamb. And guess what? Not one of those people was affected. Here's the thought there. The ones who didn't have the blood, their firstborn was struck dead. But it was an invitation to anybody. And this is the thought behind it. God didn't go and look when that death angel came and said, what do the people look like in the house? The death angel didn't come and peek in the window and go, how do they look? Oh, they're losing their temper. Get them. You know, fly to the next house. These ones are perfect enough. Move on. Go to the next house. Oh, this is the one that the, the Lord told us they were acting wrong the other day. Get them. No, all they did was look and see, not based on the person's individual earnings, but was their blood applied. And we need to realize that we need to go to our own companions, and we need to realize the blood of Jesus is the thing that washed us and made us innocent. But what the enemy would do is try to divert people's attention to other things, and, and I'm not suggesting we should just live wrong and do wrong and the blood has been applied. But I do know this, God doesn't want his people living condemned at all. And he doesn't pass over because of our perfection. Because no matter how perfect we are, we're not perfect enough for him. Are you with me? But 
we need to know who our companions are. What, what church do we belong to? You know, one of the problems with people, we read this the other day, is that people that don't go to a church, don't attend a body, Jesus was moved with compassion because he said out there they would be harassed in their emotions, in their life, and he said because they're not being shepherded. Are you with me? And so, and he said they're scattered. Well, what would be the opposite of scattered? Getting together. And so these people in Acts, the fourth chapter, they knew who their companions were. They knew where they belonged and they went there. But we also need to not just go to a local body. We need to go to the Lord. We need to go to the Lord independently and corporately. One thing about a church, because it's God-ordered, is he will deal with us because there's an atmosphere that people have called things like this the corporate presence of God. You know, you ever notice you start worshiping God, maybe you didn't sense anything and you're here and as we go through the service, you go, man, there is a presence there. Why is it important to have the presence of the Lord uh, working in our life? Well, in the Old Testament, we see the reason they would do that was they would call musicians together and they would do different things and they would pray to get direction from God. For what purpose? They were facing enemies at different times. And they knew not every battle would be won the same way. And sometimes God would give them one way of direction and he would tell them, go up and fight. Other times he would tell them stuff that if you just read it, you'd think, that's crazy. You mean we're supposed to go up there with burning torches and put a pot over the thing while it's burning and not have a thousand people to scare them, just a few hundred, and then break the thing and everybody screams and destroy an army that way? One time the Lord said this, you're going to go to battle. Here's what I want you to do. Put the praise and worship group right out in front. I mean, think about it. If we went to war right now, because there's, you know, war taking place in Europe, and it, it seems like it's starting to wind up. We know now British soldiers are in there training people. That might not be good. And different things, and there's been threats. Well, what if something happens and we're like, here's what we need. We need a lot of people who do good praise and worship to lead us into battle there. How many of you'd go, whoa, that's the best plan ever. That's what we need. You know, if Ukraine's going to win, they need to get out there with some really good praise and worship. Said nobody who doesn't know the Lord. But one time God told them, you send the praisers out in front of you, and they won. Why? Because the Bible said that the enemy will fall back at his presence. And when we praise him, there's presence that begins, his presence begins to manifest. But not every time did he tell them that. Are you with me? There were different ways that victories were won and they overcame adversity. But the narrowing point is this.
They all inquired of the Lord. They all inquired of the Lord. And you know, one thing about being a Christian, because you know, there's a lot of arguments in the world, like, is this the right way? Is that the right way? You know, and I'm talking from the world standpoint. But there's one thing that makes Christianity the right, well, more than one thing. But to an individual is this. God deals with the people that belong to him. Somebody says, well, how do you know God? He deals with me. I mean plain as day. Not always every Tuesday, but at different times, I've been dealt with by the Lord. And the Bible even said, if you have not been dealt with by the Lord, you are not his child. I used to hear that, and people would say it like this, if God doesn't talk to you, you're not his. And, uh, and I'm like, God, speak to me. And I remember I would leave church, and I'd be like, hiring a kite in a strong wind. I'm like, woo! And, and when I was in the world, you know, I partied, did everything, hung out with my friends. First thing Sunday morning, Three Stooges, the Munsters, then football came on on Sunday. So I missed those guys, the early ones, and football came on. So I'd go home from church or whatever was coming on at that time, and I'd go sit down and go to turn it on, and something would be scratching me way down inside like, don't just do this. And I'd be like, Lord, speak to me. Talk to me. You ever had that where you knew something inside? Way down inside as a Christian? I've had people come to church. I remember when I went to the church I was at in California for a while before I moved here. And I went in and I just had an inward knowing. Beyond what anybody said, I'm in the right place. Now, I would have loved to have had an audible voice. I remember a friend of mine that is in the ministry, and he, uh, he was make, trying to make a decision. Should I go to Bible school? I believe I'm called, and he worked on a dairy. And he remembered the story, you know, of Balaam in the Bible where the donkey spoke, and he's in there working on the cows, and he's like, Lord, if just one of these cows would talk to me. <laughs> move. Oh, he said, move. Where? Move. Is that all you're going to say? But he was, he was like, after a while he realized, God's not speaking to me in an audible voice, but I'm knowing something. I'm getting direction. And Hebrews 12 is so clear that anybody who belongs to the Lord, the Lord will deal with them. That doesn't mean you have to be a super saint. Doesn't mean you're going to hear in an audible voice, but how many of us have known something? We all have. Truthfully, that's how I knew don't teach on growing up spiritually today. Don't start that. I'm like, Lord, this will be helpful. He knows that. But he knows what people need. And you say, well, how did you know? Inside, I went to write with my hand and went, yuck, down here. And I'm like, okay, maybe we just won't use that verse. You know, we can figure things out. It's maybe start at a later place. I'm going through all these verses. I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? 
You know, there's an interesting thing. Jesus, when he was on the earth, actually talked about how he succeeded and how he overcame. You know what he said? He said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what he tells me to say and what he tells me to do. What a recipe for victory. One thing we need to realize is God is interested in you, and he's interested in you overcoming. Are you with me? I mean, I'm not trying to be whatever, but I remember I got saved. I got delivered from all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was awesome. I was willing to tell everybody, but one thing that bound me was lust. And I was like, ah. And you look at a girl, and you're like, ah. You know, and, and I'm like, oh, Lord. And you know, the Lord didn't say, hey, this is how you're going to win. But he kept dealing with me about other stuff. I found this. Some of the strength that we find in different areas of obedience is what gives you the power to lift other things or win in other areas. Amen? And I remember struggling with that, thinking, ah. But God was dealing with me about stuff. He he dealt with me about reading my Bible. I was doing that. But there was that area where I'd go home and turn on the TV. And I'm not trying to say TV's bad, you know. You know, like, you know, they used to say, those antennas out of the top are the devil's horns, you know. No, I'm not saying that. Because now we don't have those. So they're like hidden horns. You know what I mean? And they'd say, you know, it's not television, it's hellavision. Or carnal vision. You know, no, but I'm saying whatever the Lord deals with you about. So what he deals with me about, I can't tell you, quit watching TV. Or do it this way. Because he his victory plan for our lives is based on our relationship. And the different things that we face at different times. Notice this in James. James, the fifth chapter. God has a plan, and it doesn't matter if you failed. God still has a plan for your victory, for you to overcome adversity, he wants you to win. And it doesn't matter how bad it looks. Amen. That means, so be it. It doesn't matter how bad it looks, or how impossible it looks. Because sometimes people think, man, I've had this so long, or this situation has just carried on. But if he gives you a plan... That is the path. James 5, verse 13. Is any among you, this is a pastor writing to his people. This is a word to us. Is anyone among you suffering or afflicted or in an adverse situation? Let him have everyone pray for him. You know what I found sometimes when... when uh, you know, people come and, or I've wanted, you know, man, just pray for me type thinking, you know, that sometimes we really don't need people to pray for us. We already know what to do. Anybody ever been there? Pray. Basically what we're saying is, I don't want to do that. Pray. (laughs) Just pray. Pray. Or then you get people pray that I'll do it. Just do it. You with me? I think probably everybody's been there. I don't want to do that. Just do it. 
And so he said, pray. Why would we pray? Because God has a path. Turn to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 10. This is an illustration to help all of us, no matter what we're facing, to let us know he wants us to win. And these scriptures right here are a path or a design from God to show us that he'll give everybody a way to victory. And I know that may sound just so over the top, but it's true. And like I said, his path is different for you maybe than the person sitting right next to you. And when I say path, I mean path to overcome adversity. And, and, and it's part of your personal relationship and part of his responsibility to show you the path to take. You with me? I mean, you know, you ever seen those huge mazes that they cut in a field? And, you know, I've always thought, wow, that'd be cool to go into one of those. One thing about those cornfield mazes, if you don't like the path, you can just cut right through. Then others can find it and cut right through. But if there are paths, you know, that are wood, walls, or brick, and you can't go up and over, and you really have to find the right way out, wouldn't it be cool if there was somebody up above who could see the exact path you had to take? I, every time I go here, I keep running into this dead end. You know, you ever been in those haunted house things with all the mirrors? You know, the ones when you're little and you almost wet your pants because everybody's like, ah! and you're like, oh, you know, and you run down this hall and smack into a mirror and you're like, oh, that's not it. And then somebody else, boom, and you're like, ah! and then somebody screams at you and you're like, where is that coming from? Now, I'm not suggesting do that, but maybe many of us have. But if you have somebody who has a bird's eye view, and they're communicating with you, they'll help you get out. They'll help you make it through. And right here in 1 Corinthians 10, it says this in the 13th verse, no temptation, test, trial, adverse situation has overtaken you, accepts or come upon you or come against you. And I like this part, but such as is common to man. There's nothing that anybody who is in this world is ever going to face that it's only you and nobody else has ever faced this. Why, why is that good to know? Because others have overcome. Others have made it through. And God wants you to know you will make it through. Just follow me. Just follow me. But you can't follow unless you just go, Lord, what do you want? And you start asking him. And I'll tell you what, just being dealt with by him, regardless of what the dealing is, should be an area of rejoicing. Even if it's uncomfortable. Man, I just heard from the creator. He dealt with me. I just had an encounter with the Lord Almighty. No matter what the dealing was, I have just had an encounter. You know how many people in the world, even if the Lord said, what's your problem? They would go, 
praise God. They would turn into a praiser. I have heard from heaven. Not that he would say that. But you know what I mean? Just hearing or being dealt with is such a huge thing on its own. And, but God will deal with us. And he does not talk to you condemning. Are you with me? He won't look at you and chide you and go, how many times do I have to tell you? He doesn't do that. James, the book of James is clear about that. He won't upbraid you and go, how many times do I have to tell you? We've probably all heard that growing up. And we never answered because we didn't want to get in more trouble. Right? How many times do I have to tell you? Oh, another half dozen times? No, because then we're really in trouble. But with God, he doesn't even do that. He just knows, hey, I've got the plan. Do this. You know how exciting that is? That is thrilling. There is a path to overcome. Not that anybody is ever going to have to. No, we're all going to at some point. So he's basically saying, I've got a path. I'll direct you. Notice this. No temptation has overtaken you, but what is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. Now notice what it doesn't say. And you may have heard it this way. But listen carefully and let's read it again. He said, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Notice what it doesn't say. God will not put on you more than you can handle. I've heard, I was in a minister's meeting years ago. And there were probably a hundred pastors there. And one of these prominent pastors asked this other pastor who was moderating. Well, you know, what about that verse where it says, God will not put on you more than you can handle? And I was so glad that the pastor up there said, God never said that. God never said he's going to put on you stuff, but not more than you can handle. Only parents do that with groceries. You know what I mean? But God never puts on you more than you can handle because he doesn't put stuff on you like that. It doesn't say that. It said God will not permit the source, whatever it is, meaning whether it comes from the enemy or our own mistake, he won't even allow that to be on you, more on you than you can refuse and stand up against. You with me? Even her testimony this morning that she shared about God's dealing with her. She's still here. I mean, not up here. She's down there. But you know what I mean. Things sometimes that come, people go, I can't handle anymore. God will even put it. The Bible said when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Even when he comes... He won't, he will not allow him to do more or it junk to come in your life. But here's the thing. He will not permit it. He doesn't put it on you, but look at God's goal here. 
God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or pressured, have adverse things come upon you than what you are able, able to bear. He won't permit that. But with the temptation, the test or trial will also, in other words, he won't allow the waters to drown you, even if they come from the enemy or from our own mistakes. He said, even when those floodwaters come, he will put a standard against and not allow, and he will do this. And he will, but will also make a way of escape. He will give you a way of escape. He will instruct you individually. Are you with me? That you may be able to bear it. In other words, the pressure is coming. This tells me a number of things. God wants you to get out of the trouble you're in, even if you got yourself there. He's not going to allow that to crush you, but he will make a way of escape. It does say this that's very interesting. It won't be an instantaneous deliverance sometimes. Because notice he said you'll have to bear with it. In other words, the path you get on, you'll be able to bear up until you get out. Many of the miracles that we look at in the Bible were not instantaneous miracles. But they were truly miracles. Even David and Goliath. Most people know David and Goliath. Even the Passover story wasn't an in instant thing. There were steps they had to take to kill a lamb, to cook the lamb, to eat the lamb, to apply the blood. It was a process. You look at David. I mean, that miracle of killing Goliath there were steps along the way, meaning he heard the enemy keep taunting him, saying, I'm going to kill you, and we're going to kill all of these people. And, and he started preparing. He collected stones to go to the battle. He followed what he knew. And here's one thing about David that needs to be true with all of us. In Deuteronomy 28, the Bible is clear in the seventh verse, the Bible talks about our covenant. Every believer has this covenant. And it talks about when enemies rise up against you, they will be smitten and driven off before your face. But it's as we do our part that that happens. Because even the Bible, when it says the Lord fights your battles... Well, that doesn't mean like, this is so awesome. The Lord fights our battles. And so, let's just go have a picnic in the park. The Lord is fighting our battle. Understand, David was one of the ones who said, the Lord fights our battle. And he was the one who collected the stones. He was the one who through the rock. He was the one who charged at the enemy. And he said, the Lord fights our battles. Are you with me? So when, it, when people say, well, the Lord fights our battle, that means that he is giving us the instructions to carry out. He's giving us the direction to follow as believers. 
Are you with me? And really, that's how all miracles happen in the Bible. Whether it's feeding of the multitudes, there was instruction. It didn't happen instantly. I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, it rained manna. But there, they still had to multiply the loaves and distribute them and then eat. All the miracles, or many, I would say, of the miracles we read about in the Bible were steps, instructions. You know, the guy who had the leprosy, you know how that happened? The prophet just came and said, that's it. And you're like, the Lord fights my battles. No, what happened was there was instruction given to him. And what was the instruction? Go dip in the river seven times then you will be clean. But there were other people who had leprosy and they got cleansed a different way. When we follow the Lord, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Now I understand this is more to a believer. If you don't know the Lord, you go to the Lord and you say, I give you my life. But to the person who knows the Lord, there should be a constant talking to the Lord. And when we need direction, he'll give us direction. Here's what I have found. Sometimes we know the direction, we just haven't done it. Amen. And sometimes, you know, when we're like, oh God, oh God, and then you ever notice sometimes it's the same exact same thing he deals with us about. Because when we get out of the maze, he knows the path. And you're like, no Lord, not that way. We keep running in over here to that mirrored part, you know, if it's a mirrored maze. So what needs to happen? Just follow him. It may sound so simplistic, but if you'll read the different people in the Bible that had miracles, a lot of the miracles, and many of them, happened because somebody was willing to just inquire of the Lord. I know some people go, well, I prayed. No, no. This is the real deal, and whatever he tells you, Jesus, when he first started his ministry... His mom had not watched a bunch of miracles. The very first miracle happened this way. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And what he told them to do was so different. So different. I mean, could you imagine you're out of wine, you're at this big, huge wedding, and uh, just fill these water pots with water. Serious? You know how big of a miracle this is? Here's how it would look today. You want me to fill these water pots, Jesus, with water? Okay. I go over, turn the spigot on, grab the hose, and go shove it in there, and I'm like, all right, uh, what are you guys doing? You know, we're just talking, you know, it's got bunch of gallons of water and then they're like, oh, it's running over here, go put it in the other one, and we're just kicking back, you know, eating taquitos. And then we're like, oh, there's the other one. And we just kind of move from one to the next and we're done. You know what this miracle looked like? It wasn't just one bucket of water. I mean, they're just taking pots of water and dumping and filling and filling. And it wasn't until they were all filled 
In other words, their obedience was complete. And he said, now that your obedience is complete, you got the miracle. Nope. One more step. Now, now just draw out. Not labor, just draw it out. And when they drew it out, it turned to wine. Now don't ask the Lord for that miracle. Oh, the water into wine. That's the one I want, Lord. No, but he'll give you instructions. How many could say you truly know the Lord? You've given your life to him. Raise your hand if you know that. If you haven't, you know, don't, don't raise your hand. You're like, oh, because then you miss a step. But if you don't know the Lord, man, the Lord will come in you. You just have to go, what, like he said, what do you want me to do, Lord? Well, the first thing he wants you to do is give your life to him. The minute you give your life to him, he will start dealing with you. That was probably the most profound thing that nobody told me after I got saved. I got saved and God started dealing with me. He was not dealing with me before I was walking with him. Now, he'll deal with you to come to know him, but I mean, it changed. You with me? 